Welcome to the Coach Bodo's podcast on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bono's Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for the Coach Bono's Show. You'll find it there. And you can email us at coachbonosshow at gmail.com. Hey, today is episode 41.5. And as always in the point five, I am joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, Token Girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind, my co-host, Ellen Wingington. Ellen, how are you today? I'm doing all right, Bo. How are you? I'm doing all right. So let's 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 just first off tell everybody we are running late today. We we started moving, moved our recording days from Wednesday to Thursday. And now because of January 6th here, we both wanted to watch that. We decided we're going to record this on Friday. I was a big lazy bum this morning, didn't get up till late. So we are <laughs> recording this early afternoon on Friday and going to get it out sometime tonight. So if people are wondering where the podcast is and why it's late, it's my fault. And that's what it is. So get over it. Um, I know I know, Uncle Rico's going to be giving me a text anytime now saying, where's the <laughs> podcast at? Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't heard from him yet. Yeah. So. All right. It's cool. Um, so, yeah, I just... Uh, so shout out to Puerto Rico. Um, hey, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going yeah. to do sports stuff first. We're going to do sport. We got five topics on sports. We're going to hit all five of them. And then we're going to give our thoughts to the January 6th um, um, meeting. Um, the hearing. Hearing from uh, Thursday night. Okay. So we'll, we're going to start out uh, visually. There's a lot going on, which is kind yeah. of for June. But we got a lot of news. Let's talk about the one that I don't want to talk about the most, but I think it's important to talk about. Okay. And, and I don't want to talk about it the most because I'm just tired of it. And I just think this guy's just a bad fucking dude. And I've been warned yeah. this guy's a bad dude, but let's talk about Deshaun Watson for a moment. Yeah, man. And New York Times report comes out this week. So that Deshaun Watson has been with up to 66 different massage therapists. And now not all of these were unconsensual, sexually related, but that wasn't even the biggest bombshell in the report to me. Yeah. 66 is a big number. It's a huge number. But also that the Texans helped him with NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. Yes. And that they helped him with getting hotel rooms at the Houstonian Hotel. Yes. Um, I guess he uses some facilities there to train as well. And so they helped him be the Texans. To me, and I want to hear your thoughts on this too, but doesn't that make the Texans implicit in this in every which way? So there was uh, a 24th victim that came forward and filed a suit against uh, Deshaun Watson this week. Yes. Uh, yeah, we've and I believe that was before the New York Times article came out. It was the same day, I think. Okay. Since then, they have amended their complaint, their lawsuit, and have added the Texans as a party, as a defendant, because they're saying that basically they were an accomplice and complicit in these actions. So, yeah, I mean, whatever deal they had with the Houstonian, the fact that the training staff, enough staff knew what was going on to even, yes, one woman, I guess, became very upset 
threatened to, to talk. And that was what triggered the Texans to say, here, why don't you have her sign this non-disclosure agreement so she can't talk about it? Yeah. And then he just papered everything. And, uh, you know, given that the Browns came out and claimed that they had done their due diligence, the NFL is still investigating this to the best of my understanding. The NFL, the Browns, the Texans have all fucked this up. Yeah, big time. And I'm, I think the Texans are complicit. Mm-hmm. I think the Browns are complicit in they did not either do enough due diligence or they feel the on-field value of this player is worth more than the off-the-field problems, which mm-hmm. I can't imagine is the truth. No, I guess they just did a couple of questions and said, okay, we'll just trust Deshaun Watson. He seems like a good Christian boy. Mm. And, and the truth is, is that this guy's not a good guy. And, no. and you know, here's where I really get a, I was thinking about this this morning. I was a defender of Deshaun Watson before all this, before mm-hmm. all this, he was someone that Deshaun Watson's from Gainesville, Georgia. He's one of these guys that I've, I lived in Gainesville. I know what that place is like. It's a small city. It's very poor. And Deshaun Watson was one of the guys who, when uh, back in the day, remember Warwick Dunn? Yeah. So Warwick Dunn had a deal where he would, every offseason, he would build homes for single mothers. Mm-hmm. You know the story of this story where I'm going? Yeah, through? I do. Deshaun Watson's mother was one of the people given one of these homes by Warwick Dunn. Yeah. When Deshaun Watson signed his first contract, he worked with Warwick Dunn to start his own version of this. Mm-hmm. And what he's done off the field, he's done quite a bit of charity work. And yeah. he realizes, hey, you know, I was a product of this and I want to help others. But now we're seeing this dude and it's it's Cosby-esque. <laughs> it's probably the best way I can put it at this point. I mean, it's we thought this dude was some great, nice young man, and we find out that he's got a problem, and he does have a problem. Yes. And he, I don't think he's admitting he has a problem. Oh, God, no. If he just comes out and says, you know what? This is America. If he comes out and says, I have a problem. I mean, Tiger Woods did it. <laughs> yeah. If he comes out and uses Tiger Woods' playbook and says, I have a problem. Um, I am sorry for the people I've offended and hurt, and I didn't realize I had a problem, but I do, and I'm going to make amends. Mm-hmm. Boy, he will be forgiven in a hot minute because he is a football player that people like to watch play. Yeah. But he has done the opposite in his press conference in Cleveland and some of the things following up. That What it's really been is, well, I think I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he said he doesn't realize he has a problem and it's an addict. He's an addict. Oh, absolutely. And of course, unfortunately, you know, the way that this is played out with the criminal indictments, neither one moving forward. um, The civil lawsuits are, are of course, uh, ongoing, but this is just another sign of how our criminal and, and civil system is jacked up and generally uh in crimes like these are against those who are making the claims and uh it's going to continue to make women and men and other victims of similar circumstances 
unwilling to say anything. It is, it, it's a shame and it's, it's a shameful practice and it's a shameful life he's living doing this. And frankly, he needs to be, he's not gonna face any criminal charges. He's gonna end up having to settle this civil case. Oh, um, for, he absolutely will. For millions and millions of dollars. But it's not just Watson that I'm mad at this deal. I'm mad at the Texans. They were complicit in this. I'm mad at the Browns for giving this guy not just a fully guaranteed contract. That's bad enough. But then to also set the contract up where if he was suspended the entire for the first year, right? Sean Watson was a one-year suspension. Mm-hmm. He only loses one million dollars in salary. Yeah. I mean, they went into this strategically. And they knew what they were doing. And they knew yeah. that they, they and so now my understanding is the Browns brought Watson in. Now I heard this this morning actually, and said, okay, everything you cop to now, we if we know it now, we cannot cut you. But if we learn about it later, that's gonna be considered new information and we can void your contract because any suspension can void a contract in the NFL. He's, uh, you know, it sucks. Men with money tend to be able to get away with a whole lot. Yeah. Um, you know, it's in line with Epstein and some of the shit we've seen around that for years. Mm-hmm. The NFL needs to do better about stuff like this, about domestic violence, about not just doing gestures and having moments and i just don't think it'll ever happen i don't think so either i i think he's still only gonna get half a season i think he's gonna get eight games i feel with me i'd suspend the sunbitch for two years i think it's going to depend quite honestly uh with this with the texans being joined in the lawsuit yeah that might create a different pressure then maybe you're right yeah do you see any situation where he gets more than one year the only way i think that might happen is if the civil suit gets to a discovery phase and there are depositions or other testimony that come to light where he's on the record okay but I think otherwise they are going to be very hesitant. But I mean, damn, 24 women at least. At least. That's just who's come forward. We're talking about as he's seen as many as 66. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, I think everybody should be penalized in this deal. I think that Deshaun Watson should be suspended for at least two seasons. And I think two seasons because I think that he, there's no penalty for him losing the one season. Right. You got to get into his money. Mm-hmm. And I think the Browns should lose. Um, the Browns should that, – that should still be counted against the salary cap. Mm-hmm. And then on the Texans' side, they should lose all the compensation they got from Sean Watson. Yeah, I mean – as you say, you gotta hit, you gotta hit it where it hurts them. Yeah, 
And I think both teams should be fined quite a bit of money. I just, I do. I think the NFL will do that. No, but I think that that's what they should do. Yeah. I think it should be multi-million dollar fines to both teams. I think, especially the Texans. And I think that the Texans should lose all compensation they got for the trade. The player should be suspended for two seasons and all those monies counted against the salary cap. Mm. So, all right. Well, let's, let's get out of bad news. We've got more cheerful stuff to talk about here in the sports world, at least. Um, a couple of things. One local with uh, the Big 12. So the Big 12 announced they're going to add Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF officially in the 2023 year. Right. So this will be not this football season, but obviously 2023 football season. Um, they're going to be paying a fee to get in, and they've already negotiated everything. They're going to be coming in. Uh-huh. Um the biggest question this leads to me, I think you had the same question we were talking about it offline, was does this mean OU and Texas are leaving early? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't read much about it beyond the headlines, frankly, yeah. this morning. Uh, yeah. Currently, the existing Big 12 contract goes to 2025, yeah. and at that point, they were supposed to exit to the SEC. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for me because I don't believe the big 12 contracts. So one of the points that you made with the SEC is that they have these escalators in their TV contracts based on the number of teams that are in the league. Yes. I presume the big 12 doesn't have that. Yeah. But to me, that would be the only reason to keep them for two years. I don't know. Yeah. You'd have to have uh, two more seasons of OU and Texas. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to happen. I think the SEC is going to pay the money for those two teams to get out. I've Mm -hmm. heard something like $20 million for each team to get out. And the money per season from ESPN, I believe was near 20 million per team. So it becomes Uh a wash for the SEC to make that deal. Um, I think that's what will happen. So I think we'll see OU and Texas gone in the 2023 season. I think the SEC wants that too because they want to get their realignment done as fast as possible. Sure. And they've got to figure out what how they're going to do that. Um, but I think this is the first step is that they're not going to leave the Big 12 with eight teams. Instead, the Big 12 will add the three new teams and kind of move forward. So it seems like we haven't seen reports of this, but I'm assuming some of the money has been worked out in the – on the side of OU and Texas, and they've said, okay, here's what we're going to go going forward. And I think it's a definite, like, upswing for the Big 12, both on a football and a basketball perspective. I think it's really underrated, the three teams they've added. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think UCF seems like the oddball team, but you're getting a big market. You're getting into Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's important because you it's all about eyes and that kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Houston and Cincinnati is going to be great for football. Yes. And I, for would argue, I would argue and for basketball as well. And I would argue that Houston and Cincinnati may be as good as OU and Texas. Well, and I mean, recently, and I see that more on the Texas side than the OU side. Where was Houston ranked last year? In the top 10 from a lot yeah. of the season. And in Cincinnati was in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think those are two the teams that are the up and comers. They're two teams that if if all hell broke loose that we thought it might, and you have the four 20 team conferences, yep. Cincinnati and Houston would get picked up. Yeah, oh definitely. Yeah. 
UCF even get picked up. UCF, I didn't realize, has the biggest enrollment of any college in the country. They are gigantic. It's the biggest in the country. Yeah, 50,000 students. Yep. It's a commuter school for the most part. Yeah. But it's yeah, in Orlando, and it's just a humongous place. Absolutely. Oh, that was kind of uh, cool, and I was looking that up. That was a few months ago I saw that, and we can see that. So, yeah, the Big 12s made a, a move there. Um, you know, they got to make some moves quick, too, because they got to negotiate a new TV deal soon, too. Yeah, so, so it'll be it. And maybe that was the push to get it done since they yeah. wanted to have it in hand before that 2025 season came around. Yeah. So interesting stuff there. This one's a little bit more local to you than it is for me, but I think it's interesting. And this is that the Broncos have a new owner. Well, not done deal yet, but the Broncos, um, the Pat Bowen Trust had to sell the Broncos. Yep. And it looks like we have a winner as far as yeah. it is. The Walton Penner Group which is headed by Robert Walton, one of the Walmart people. Former uh, CEO. The CEO of Walmart is going to buy the Denver Broncos. I understand the price is $4.5 billion. 4.6, yeah. 4.6, okay. And um, I mean, first off, it's a wow amount of money. It's stupid money. I mean, it's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of cash. Um, one funny part, did you hear the John Elway part of this? No. Do you know about John Elway was given, a, was offered a stake in the Broncos by Pat Bowen before he died? I didn't. Okay, so the story goes that Pat Bowen, at one point in Elway's, the end of Elway's career, he was asked if he would defer, it was $15 million and then $21 million in pay. If done so, he would get a 10% ownership of the Broncos and he would have to put in 10 million. Okay. He would have to, he would purchase it, the price with a guarantee that if he didn't want to be in ownership 48 months later, four years later, Mm -hmm. that they would pay him back, give him, they'd buy him out with a, I believe it was a five or 10% increase on what the full value was. It would have been $96 million. Okay. If Elway had done that, his $96 million mm-hmm. would have become $950 million. Wow. Based on the, on the sale price of the Bronco. Hmm. So I hope that somewhere John Elway is doing okay. Now he didn't do it because he took that money and did the car business thing. Yeah. Where he made a bunch of money initially and then they had the problem with Wayne Izinga and a big deal there. Um, he, ended up, he ended up being the one that got out of there. Him and Dan Marino were two of the guys involved in that. Yeah. And they got out somewhat whole, I understand. But um, the other news off this is that we've talked about this a lot. There's the, the arms race. Who's going to be an owner first? Yeah. It looks like the Broncos are talking to Peyton Manning about an advisory role. Yep. That would, that could lead to an equity stake in the team. So it looks like Peyton Manning may be the one who wins this deal by becoming the first owner. Now, yeah. He wouldn't be a primary owner. He'd be a minority owner. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting in part locally, just because we've got, uh, 
the Walton heirs owning two teams. And so, you know, uh, Rob Walton's cousin, his, uh, is Stan Kroenke's wife. So, you know, she's got the ties into the nuggets and all the other things, of course, that, uh, the Kroenke's own and they've done some announcements of redevelopment of what they want to do around ball arena. And I'm sure, uh, the Walton Penner group is, is going to be popping in on that. They want to make it more accessible to both mile high and uh, to Coors Field, which would be interesting. Uh, but it is a weird monopoly of ownership in Denver, given that Kroenke owns uh, the Nuggets, the Avs, uh, the Rapids, uh, the Major League Lacrosse team here. It's it's really kind of weird. So I don't know, uh, as much talk as the NFL did about wanting to get, you know, some <clears throat> people of color involved, uh, it really didn't get pushed. Now, what I understand is that part of the minority owner group with this Walton Penner group is um, a female black woman, redundant, sorry, but she's on the, uh, the board of Starbucks. Oh, and okay. I also, um, I also believe JP Morgan Chase. I think one of the larger financial institutions, if oh, it's not okay. JP Morgan. So she's got some big business bona fides coming behind her, which might be interesting beyond, you know, just Walton clan running it yeah. like a Walmart. So, well, and, you know, if you're from Kansas city, you know, that you don't really want the Walton clan running a ball, a, a football team. If they ran it, like, like, ah, if they did the baseball team here. Yeah. Last family bought the Royals. They ran like a damn Walmart. I mean, they didn't yeah. pay for anything. It was awful. You know, that's why I was so happy to have a new owner in Kansas city. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, It'll that was be, a different situation, too. Yes. When the glass when we bought the Royals. Yeah, it'll be, I don't know, it'll be interesting. It's one yeah. of those things that you see these huge mega billionaire owners buying up toys. And you wonder if they'll actually invest in the teams. Yeah. Well, the NFL is the one property that it's always going to make money. Yes. You can lose money on a baseball team. You can lose money on an, on an NBA team if you really if you really fuck it up. But mm-hmm. in the NFL, you just don't lose money. They're, they're they're bulletproof. They are, I mean, their ratings, everything with television and the networks, the way they the way they share the revenue, yeah, everything involved with that is they're so good that yeah, only one of those is owning the golden ticket. So yeah. there's only 32 of them, and they're not going to expand anytime soon. No, the price is four. That's why the price is four point six billion dollars. It's it's crazy, and of course, everyone is already talking about a new stadium, this, that, and the other. uh, Trying to get a Super Bowl in Denver, so uh, the next five years will be interesting. Yeah, you're going to have to. If you get a new stadium, it's going to be an indoor stadium. Yes, every everything that you hear that former players, you know, current people that know the, the program, they're just like, you have, it has to be done. There has to be a roof on it. Yeah. So, you know, it would be funny to me. And we've talked about this. There's a couple teams that are cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bengals are the cheap, cheap team. You know, right. They don't even have an indoor practice facility. Right. 
at some point, is someone going to offer them $2 billion and say, hey, here's two and a half billion. Let's buy your team from you. Why not? I mean, I, give me some people together. Let's figure this thing out. Let me, let me call Jamie Dimon and JP Morgan. I, I think he and I can work out a deal. I mean, yeah. and, you know, it, it's kind of funny, though, talking about the, the arms race to own teams. I saw yesterday that LeBron came out and said he wants to own what, an what, NBA franchise, own franchise in Vegas. In, in Vegas. It, it wouldn't surprise me if LeBron tried to get a group together to buy the, buy the Trailblazers. I think that's going to end up getting bought locally. I think Paul Allen's going to buy it. Yeah, yeah, right. Phil Knight. Yeah. So or Phil Knight's buying. I'm sorry, yeah, you already owned it. Um, you know, but it wouldn't surprise me to see. I don't think it'd be the Thunder. I think it would be the Pelicans. That would be the team that would be moved to Los. I Angeles. don't know if New or- if if they would actually move a team or just do an expansion draft. Yeah, if they do an expansion, there'd be two teams. And yeah, you'd see Seattle get one. Right, and you'd see. Yeah, I think that the NBA and Major League Baseball will both expand in the next few years. Yeah. I think they'll both expand. They'll both add Las Vegas. I think the NBA will add Seattle, and Major League Baseball will add Nashville. Oh, that would be good. Nashville's got a bunch of money ready to go. They have a group desperately trying to get a team. Well, they have a AAA uh, affiliate up there, don't they? Yeah, but they have a team that's got – a that's got upwards of a billion dollars ready to go to that makes sense. franchise. Yeah. And they've got a couple ex ball players involved with that. They've got, because they were one of the ones that wanted to buy the uh, Rays. Mm. When those talk of the Rays having to go to Montreal for part of the yep. year and major league baseball wouldn't approve that. This group came in and said, well, we'll buy the Rays and move mm-hmm. to Nashville, which I think would be a good idea. Tampa just needs to put a new stadium together. They need to do. Yeah. But they won't do it. Yeah. So I wanted to the Broncos. And then we got a team, a football team spending some money. Uh, the Rams have spent some money in the past week. Uh, Cooper, yes, Cup, Cooper Cup gets a new deal. Aaron Donald didn't get a, well, he gets a new deal. Cooper Cup got an extension. Aaron Donald has got a new deal. Um, Aaron Donald got Brady money. I mean, he's yeah. getting $30 million a year. And it's avoided year at the end. Um, he basically got a $60 million bonus. Basically, Aaron Donald told the, hey, I know how much money I'm worth. Uh-huh. And either I'm going to, you're going to pay me or I'm going to go home and not play at all. Did you see the tidbit that came out uh, early this, this afternoon? Uh, which one? About Cliff Klingsbury stating that he tried to convince Donald to retire while at Sean McVay's wedding last weekend. <laughs> I did not see that. So evidently that that is the new little tidbit that is going well, around it, it and pretty, is being reported. It was pretty clear that Aaron Donald was doing the, hey, I like playing football, but I like playing football to get paid. Yeah, and, and he deserves it. And frankly, look, I, I was on Tyler Jones's podcast this week, and I said, look, I've never seen a player as good as him in his position. And I've only seen two players in the front part of a, of the defense ever as good as mm-hmm. Aaron Donald. And that's Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor. And I'm like, you pay that guy. You yeah. Give that guy the money. You tell him how much do you want. We will figure it out. 
And he basically got a $60 million bonus to, to, to stay in his contract. They extended it once. They extended it three seasons. Mm-hmm. But it's really a one-year extension off of what was actually going to be what he was playing the last two or void years. And after the next three years, Donald will make another extension. Yeah. And he'll get paid what the market value is then. It's the smart way to go. Absolutely. You know, he'll be 30, he'll be 34 at that point. And so if he's still playing at that level of 34, he's gonna be at 50 million a year at that point. But there's never been an era now. There's never been anybody as good as him at that position. Yeah, and I'm anybody to play tackle. It's a pass rusher that does what he does. You have to account for him with two players on every play. Yes. And uh, I, I'm glad for it. And yeah. I think, I mean, it's just funny, the Cl- Clingsbury twist. Yeah. And uh, especially oh, at Sean McVay's wedding. I, boy, I'd have been over there and been like, hey, what do you need to retire? <laughs> do, you, do you need a good financial advisor? Do you need this? What do you there need? There you go. You I'm need, sure. I, I'd have been, we'd have been, I mean, I'm Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he, Kingsbury is one of those guys that you know he knows some people in Hollywood. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, he'd be, I'd be like, hey, dude, we could do some action adventure movies. Yeah. Do this. He was stunt double. You'd never get hurt doing this. Mm-hmm. We'll make you a millionaire doing that instead. You know, Aaron Donald is someone who absolutely could be an action star. Absolutely. And he'd be that great. Dude in a, put that dude in an Expendables movie. You know, I'd just be. Oh, there you go. You know, something like that. He'd be incredible at something like that. I want to see him do that. And I want to see, um, um, in wrestling, I want to see Charlotte Flair do the same thing. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, they got their money. And it, what's funny to me about the whole thing is it isn't just the Rams. It's funny how the spending's gone so crazy this offseason that no one is concerned with the salary cap. No. I mean, there are people are – this is something that, you know, my New Orleans Saints were doing this for the last couple of seasons – Say, hey, we'll figure out the cap in a year or two. And now everybody's doing it. But they're yeah. looking at it smartly. They're saying, well, okay, we can spend now, and we know that this will be higher next two or three seasons, but we know that the new TV contracts come in. That percentage we have to give to the players is bigger. The salary cap's going to go up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They're looking at it as a percentage, as a percentage game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, the NFL – Never loses money. So spend it while you got it. Yeah. I mean, the salary cap this year is something like 215 million. And I think the estimate for like 2024 is something like 250. Oh, geez. Yeah. Just based on the new TV contracts and the Amazon deal and everything else. Mm-hmm. And God knows what else they'll do between now and then because they still haven't made a deal for Sunday ticket. Yeah. I mean, so when they make those deals, it's going to be even more money. And the, and the way that the whole thing works is 50%. Those to the players. You got to pay it. So, Chase after it, man. I mean, these teams know what they're doing. They're they're big businesses, and and that's what's different about sports. Which I mean, I think is both a good and bad thing for the enjoyment of the game. It's not as fun, but these things are run like Fortune five hundred companies, and it's because if you're like the Broncos, you're worth four point five billion dollars. You are close to one. Yeah. Absolutely. The NFL is a humongous business. Absolutely. I would be, I would wonder, and I'm sure we could figure this out, but how much 
the value of the, I mean, it's a privately held company, but it's how much the value of the NFL and their franchises is worth compared to large major corporations. Where would it rank? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, you figure the cheapest franchise in the NFL is going to be worth $2 billion. But then you get things like the Cowboys, who got to be worth, I mean, Forbes is the Cowboys worth $5 billion. So you figure on $3 billion as an aggregate for the 32, that's $96 billion. I think it went ranked very high. It yeah, may be, it may be break the top 250. Yeah, I mean, it'd be in the S&P 500. Yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I wonder. I don't have to. I may may have to go look at that this weekend. There you go. Pull the rabbit hole for you to go down. Yeah, yeah. Pull the form stuff and go from there. Yeah. All right. Hey, last sports thing I want to get into is the NBA Finals. You said you haven't been watching the NBA Finals. No, I've been watching hockey. Um, yeah. The Avs have clinched. Oh, you get to give me shit about the Avs because I yeah, the Oilers they, and they got swept. They swept. Uh, they are in the Stanley Cup final. We are letting Tampa Bay and the Rangers just fight it out so they can have extra rest time and we'll see who we play in, I don't know, a few days. I'm rooting for the I told you I was going to root for the Avs if the Oilers yeah. lost. And the Oilers so you've, you've got it now. It was kind of funny. Uh, I decided to look at tickets yesterday for the first game of the final. Every single seat is at least $1,000 in Ball Arena. Wow. Every single seat. It is crazy. I just... It's not like I've ever priced NHL final tickets before. Yeah. But that seems like a lot. <laughs> I have only paid $1,000 for a ticket one time. Mm-hmm. What was, was that for? The uh, college football championship when LSU beat Clemson. Ah, okay. I paid, I paid just over 1000 bucks for my seat. Damn. It was lower level in the end zone. I mean, it was good seats. But that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like, but these are any seat you're talking about. Getting. The highest seat in the 300 section at the very top where you are touching the roof yeah. is $1,000. Yeah. I can remember 2018 when the Red Sox were in the World Series. Uh-huh. We looked at going. Yeah. And it was, oh God, seven or 800 just for the cheapest seat to get to Fenway Park. Wow. And then... And that was the year they played the Dodgers. And then I remember that I could have gone to a Dodgers, I could have gone to the Red Sox Dodgers games to game six. <laughs> I could have got tickets for 200 bucks. And I was like, oh, but it was like the day before. And I would have had to like find a way to fly to LA from Kansas City. And you're not going to, like the, the, the airfare was going to be 900 bucks. And I would have got there like two hours before game time, which means you're not getting to the game on time. Because of traffic. Yeah. 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 LAX, the Dodger Stadium. I don't know how long that would take in the car. So, yeah. You all right there? 
<laughs> choke myself. Well, she's trying to choke herself. While we're doing that, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals for a minute. So we're recording this Friday morning. Game four is tonight. And uh, the Celtics have a 2-1 lead. Um, the Celtics um, have really just dominated games one and three. Uh, and the Warriors dominated game two, I thought. Um, but after watching game three, I watched game three late Wednesday night. Uh-huh. I didn't get to see it live. I was at AEW wrestling with my son. Uh, I'm going to talk about that on Monday's pod. Um, but we'll, uh, I got to watch the game later, and I just I came to the realization. I said that I liked the Warriors in sevens. I thought it would be hard for them to not have four bad shooting games. And I just come to realize the Boston Celtics are a better team. And why is that? Because they're just deeper. They're just deeper from two to eight. Seth Curry's better than anybody on the Celtics. But Jason Tatum is damn near as good at this point. But it's not just Tatum. It's Brown. It's Smart. It's Horford in game, who played well in game one. And it's like, they're just, everyone helps that team get better every game. And the Warriors aren't doing that. The Warriors are one dude who's just got to, who has to shoot the lights out. Basically, Seth Curry has to be Pistol Pete Maravich to yeah. win the series. And I think from the snippets I've seen, the Celtics just have more scrappiness, frankly, yeah. to them. Well, we talked about how we thought, and, and I thought, look, those Celtics are going to make you earn it every single bucket, and they right. have. Now, game two, the Warriors came out, and they didn't like how they played in game one, and they played tough, and they got the lead, especially in the third quarter. The third quarter has been a killer to the Celtics. The Celtics have not won a third quarter. They haven't played well in the third quarter yet. Which is crazy. I mean, it speaks to Steve Kerr and the team that they can make the adjustments at halftime. Yeah, but the the Celtics have come back in each game in the fourth quarter and made games of the – one and three, they blew them out. They only allowed 11 points in the fourth quarter in game three. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth Curry needs help. I mean, he ended up getting hurt and play the last couple of minutes of game three. But Draymond Green has been awful. He's a defensive liability at this point. You know, the way I feel about Draymond is that, frankly, at this point in his career, he likes playing so he can talk shit the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard things about Draymond Green. People say that he is like wicked smart and plugged into like, you know, business stuff. You know, he has a podcast now that's doing very, very well. And, you know, he's talking about that's as important to him as playing basketball. Um, Draymond's just not that dude anymore. Clay yeah. Thompson is just not that dude anymore. I mean, Clay Thompson just trying to settle for jump shots. And he coming off those seasons where he was hurt, he's just not even close to the dude he was three years ago. Three years ago, Clay Thompson and Larry Bird were a comparison you could make. Right. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Oh. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Steph tonight um, yeah. with that foot. He says he's fine, that he knows yeah. how to manage it. But, you know, like you said, given that he is the team, um, yeah. Because we were talking off, offline that it's just 
Wiggins isn't the guy. No, uh, I, Andrew Wiggins is a guy who, in transition, he's great. Yeah. He's their best defender. Yeah. And so he's going to get you those buckets, which are great, and they need that. Yes. But they need – the Warriors need Andrew Wiggins to be the Andrew Wiggins that he was supposed to be his number one pick in the draft. They need the guy who he – that they can go to the bench at a timeout and go, hey, we need a bucket right now. And Wiggins, we're going to give you the ball. Yeah. And that's something he should be able to do, and he is not that dude. No. There's very – granted, there's very few of those in the NBA. The Celtics just happened at three of them. Right. And – I will say at least I'm glad that he's finally having a season to get a groove in a way that he never really was yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah, Andrew and, Wiggins is much better off where he's at. Yes. So I'm glad for that. Yeah. Um, and look, it's nitpicking when we talk about the Warriors and say, hey, Draymond's sure. washed and Clay's washed. They're still in the finals. They're, they're still in the finals. And they're yeah. still a really good team. Absolutely. They're just coming against a team that's playing defense and just is just a monster defense. Mm-hmm. That's why the Celtics came out of that really tough East and they came out relatively unscathed. Yeah. And I think they're well coached. I, I just, the Warriors, it, Kerr in every series as the head coach of the Warriors, Kerr's teams have won a game on the road. So this they, is it. They gotta win game four. If they don't, it's done. Mm-hmm. They're cooked if they don't win game four in Boston. And I'm not sure they will. I, I if I had to bet it now, I'll take the Celtics in six. Okay. I mean, I just think that I I the Warriors can get one. I think it's probably game five back there, but um I think that the, the Celtics have got them now. And I just think that the Celtics have Celtics are healthy. They're they're playing hard. They're they're a better team. Yeah. So uh it'll be interesting. I'm gonna watch game five tonight and uh we'll talk more about that on Monday's pod as well. So um the other stat from game three, the plus minus stat, every warrior starter was negative. Hmm. Interesting. Every, every Celtic starter was positive. They yeah. Positive in double digits. Wow. Okay. That's something. The one time the, the Warriors made a run was in the third quarter. Right. And in the third quarter, those Celtics had two of their starters out. They bring in the backup point guard. They go small. And, and that was something that the Warriors were able to match up to. But the Celtics are giving them problems spreading the court. And, and in game one, the Celtics just shut the fucking lights out. I mean, right. Celtics shot like the Warriors used to. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I think that's going to be – I think this is the pivotal game. The Warriors don't win this, they're done. They win, you got a series now because the Warriors can outshoot you for two games. Right, right. That's the thing. So game, game four is the pivotal one. So it'll be interesting. All right. We're going to shift gears. <clears throat> Taught all our sports talk for today. We're going to talk about Thursday night, mm-hmm. the January 6th hearings. So we're going to get a little political here. And um, you and I kind of text each other a couple times while watching this. Mm-hmm. And 
let's just come out and say it. We're both left-leaning. Yes. Okay. Um, I wouldn't call myself a full-on Democrat, but I would say that I exhibit a lot of those ideals. I think that what's going on right now, this is not a witch hunt. This is something that is important to our country to see what's happened on January the 6th. Mm -hmm. And this committee, I think, is what we saw on Thursday. There was some powerful stuff. And it was very damning to former President Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to hear your impressions first. We have two hours of content made for television. Let's, Let's get that clear. This was made for television. Oh, I, I, especially this first night, I don't yeah. know. Um, the next hearing is Monday morning at Monday eight morning. o'clock yeah. my time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much that will be, but they slated it in prime time for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little, they admitted some political theater. Absolutely. And um, I found it very interesting that the, one of the Republican candidates for governor in Michigan was arrested yesterday (laughs) for his involvement in the January 6th. uh, Insurrection. Uh, I don't call it an insurrection. Yeah, no, no. I think that's the correct term. Um, The coup attempt. Um, It was watching that 10 minute video that after they made their introductory remarks, and they aired that before going into uh, testimony, I believe. Maybe I got the break wrong, but uh, that made me incredibly, like, physically anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't clear as to what the documentarian was there for until he started testifying yeah. about the gathering of the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers off-site, that it was clear they knew something else was going on. Um, Hearing from the officer who (laughs) received a concussion, being thrown down on the Capitol steps, uh, it it was harrowing. And I remember I actually went back and looked at a text thread that I had from that day with some friends and we were all just astounded watching what was going on at that time. But there's so much that we do not know. Uh, So being fairly politically engaged, I'm interested. I think it's important to know what happened. Half the country will um, remain tuned into Fox, who will have Tucker Carlson going on without commercials for fear that any information about the hearing come on to Fox. It's abhorrent what Fox News is doing. Absolutely. Uh, Let's be clear about that, because I agree 100%. Fox News went on, they did not show this. All the other news networks did. Yeah. And they went on with Tucker Carlson, their normal programming, and Mm -hmm went without commercials. Yes. Because they don't want people to change the channel during a commercial, possibly. Right. Say, hey, what is being said over here? 
it, it's feeding the minions what the appetite in the in the menu that they want to feed them. But it's not only feeding it, it's implicating Fox itself. Yes, I agree. Because you've got Sean Hannity, you've got Laura Ingram, you've got God knows who else, you know, Tucker Carlson. There are texts going to Mark Meadows and Kaylee McInerney and whomever from these Fox personalities telling them to shut this shit down. And all Trump did was say, well, maybe Pence deserves to be hung. Yeah. That's troubling too. I mean, we, we, we're used to Donald Trump saying things that we know are outlandish. Yes. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's troubling enough that we know that we're used to that. We're desensitized to that. Mm-hmm. So for him to say, well, maybe those people are right. That just seems like something Donald Trump would say. And people and some of his people, people, I mean, that his supporters yeah. will say, well, that's just Trump being Trump. That's why I like him. He's honest. Right. It, it, it's heartbreaking to me that we've come to a point in this country where we're so divided mm-hmm. and we're so divided in a way that this one person who is clearly just a motherfucking scam artist. Yes. He has been in every business he's been in. Yeah. This guy has scammed. He's not scamming you and me. He's scamming people to say, Hey, believe me, I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's playing at the insecurities of others. Yes. And we should be better than that as a country. We should be better than that as Americans. I made the comment and you you read me the riot act on air and off when I said this. Mm-hmm. I'll stand by it. We are a third world country with nicer shit. I never read you the riot act on that. You, you, you no. gave it to me pretty good. I did not. Oh. And I think you need to go back and look at the tape. Yeah. It was you more pointing towards the stupidity and ignorance of people, which bothered me a little bit because yeah. I think it's more fear-based. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't fully disregard that we are a third world country in some ways with nicer yeah. shit. I mean, I, I think that's what my point was, is saying that, hey, we are we're preying on this fear. Yes. This is what they do in third world countries. This is what they do in totalitarian kind of countries. They prey on fear. And that's what he's done. And it's so to the point now where we're in a worldwide recession. Now, I'm not blaming a worldwide recession on Donald Trump. Let me be very clear about that. And we're not in a worldwide recession also. Well, and look at the market. There's some, there, we're having issues around the world. But we're in a worldwide gas shortage. And, and gas prices are going up around the world. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing people here making that a political issue, saying, well, um, Gas is high because of Biden. We're seeing these stickers on these gas plates, you know, gas, you know, pouring no, yeah, no. and blame. This is my doing about, about Biden. Well, we're not talking about the gas is actually, you know, high everywhere. Right. You know, in the UK and Australia and everywhere. Well, we're, we're just talking about that here and blaming it on one guy because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We no longer have a civil discourse. No, we haven't since Gingrich. And I agree with that, 100%. That guy is the worst that ever happened in American politics. Yeah. And it was, 
we've gotten to the point where now, and Gingrich did lead to, ends up leading to something like Trump. Mm -hmm. But now we have where Trump wants to, I don't know if he wants to, he wants to build a legacy, if he's trying to do something. Now he'll just say anything. I think he's always been willing to say anything. But we knew before he was president. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Say that. Well, I, I think with him, part of it is he just, he wants people to yell and scream his name. Huh? Yeah. So he will say whatever needs to be said for people to yell and scream his name. Yeah. I was very troubled in watching this. Now that a lot of stuff talked about the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and mm-hmm. a lot of it was drawn to the particular Donald Trump quote of, you know, stand by and stand ready or-, or Stand back and stand by. Stand back and stand ready, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's enough to, to gonna be able to, it seemed like a lot of the tying of these two groups to Trump was because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the criminally that would work, well, they have, you know, charged the five leaders of the Proud Boys with yes. conspiracy, conspiracy of sedition. Yes. So. But then I don't know if criminally that can get tied back to Trump. I don't know that it's important that it does. Yeah. I think the most important thing is that this does get, we, we know what happened and we have to understand that this, this should just try to, this should be able to bring us together. This should be something that says, hey, we saw what amounted to, a, a, and it was said by the chairman, an attempted coup yeah. in our country. And this is something that I think, you know, we need to understand that these hearings need to bring us together and say, hey, we can never let this happen again. Yeah, I mean, I know that won't happen. And I think I'm bothered just as much by the um, disclosure that multiple Republican politicians who are currently in office ask for pardons following January 6th. So, and you see Oath Keepers and Proud Boys across the country getting into the local level and it's, it's literally become a disease or a virus or, you know, um, for those of you who watch Stranger Things, it's like the upside down and all those tendrils going out and taking hold of whatever they can and suffocating people out to feed themselves. And I'm going to watch these. I think they are important. I agree with you. It'd be great if they could bring us together. But given that half the country will choose not to watch, choose not to believe. Yeah. Half the country is in a point where there is no chance of a political discourse. It's just a matter of they're always going to feel the way they feel. Yep. They're not willing to look at it just at anything in a different light. Yeah. You and know? it's it's heartbreaking. And I'm I am scared. I am scared for the midterm elections this fall. I am scared for the presidential election in 2024. Because what happened in January of 2021 is just a 
like a dress rehearsal for what's coming. Do we, and we haven't seen this yet, but um, did we, there were some elements of this was known up front. Yes. By the president, by certain segments of our nation's security systems. Um, I do think I mean one thing will be different with our next elections is that I think those elements of if we hear more about these same kind of, you know, um, insurrectionist activities, if these were to happen again, I think given our current uh, leadership, we would see a different response. Well, I mean, you wouldn't have Biden having a rally two weeks before the inauguration to say that the election was lost. I mean, you just... Or stolen. I mean, that yeah. just wouldn't happen. Yeah. At some point, do you think there's ever a point in Donald Trump's lifetime that he'll understand that his words actually do matter? He doesn't give a fuck. He does not give one it, it's solid almost like fuck. He's the, it's almost like he's the Joker. Some people just want to see the world burn. It's not even that he wants to see the world burn, frankly. I, I honestly don't know if that's the end point. Mm. He just wants people to yell and scream and cheer for him. Yeah. And so he will say whatever needs to be said for people to yell and scream and cheer for him. Yeah. I mean, that's why he was sitting in front of the TV on January 6th, yelling yeah. at people, probably wanting Big Macs and Diet Cokes. Because people are just chanting Trump, 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 Trump. Yeah. It's, it's a shame that we are in this place. And I, I will also be watching every bit of these hearings. I'm yeah. Watch every moment of it. And, and I'm going to make sure that I tell my son and I'm going to make sure that he understands. You know, I'm someone who in my life have swung politically way where I grew up. I grew up Mm -hmm. as a conservative, as a Republican, as someone who believed in, you know, Reagan and those kind of things. Yeah. I have swung far over to the left. Now I was absolutely I like to say I'm somewhere between Bill Maher and and uh, and Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. I'm somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um you know but I I think that it's because I've seen that you know there's putting things in the hands of a very few people is never a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I I fully agree. I mean, I also grew up in a very conservative Republican household. I voted for Dole. I voted for Bush twice. Um, Yeah. I will never vote for a Republican again. There is just no need for voting for a party who seeks to gain things by excluding others yeah. because that's all the Republicans want to do the best that I can see. It really seems that Republicans are playing a game. And this is the Newt, the Newt Gingrich thing. You know, it's, it's Newt Gingrich. McConnell has taken that at, at helm in the last number of years. Mm-hmm. It's more of a political game. And what people don't realize when they think that is that you're playing a game with people's lives. Yeah, they're all rich. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah, and, and that's... It's heartbreaking to me. It's heartbreaking that so many people in America, you know, and I'm not someone who's been overly politically active in my life. I've become more active a little bit more the older I get. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, but I, I just find that I never wanted to be someone to judge somebody by how they voted, but now I have. It's hard not to. It's very hard when I see people who are still trying. I can see someone who voted for him in 2016 and said 2020, I don't know if I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an awakening. That's having a conscience. Yeah, it. He got beat in a landslide. He did. He got beat in a landslide. We are better. And he was told by all of his close advisors, he lost. He, I mean, it wasn't close. And, and yet. And, and yet we're still going to see in the midterms, we're going to see Republicans picking up seats all through the House, maybe even yep. the Senate. You know, they're running people like Herschel Walker. Yeah. And that guy is batshit crazy. And it's not that we haven't known he's been batshit We've known since the early 90s that he's batshit crazy. Yeah, I mean, it. it is... Dr. Oz? <laughs> I mean, there's, is... a whole, there's just a whole list. Uh, I mean, the Republican uh, candidate for governor in Pennsylvania uh, is ready to turn over any election that doesn't go Republican. So what this presidency and what January 6th did was show people that they don't have to follow the law and uh, they can basically kill people to get their way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. We are in a, you know, it was the old line, may you live in interesting times. Huh. You're in interesting times. Not so. in the way that I would have preferred. Yeah, I agree. Hey, one sports thing just came across and it kind of goes into what we're talking about. Did just you see the across. Orioles thing? Orioles thing, no. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. I got to look something up. I was going to bring up Jack Del Rio. Oh, God. Jack Del Rio has <laughs> been, been, been fined $100,000 for the NFL. Yeah. No, it, it was by the team. The Jags find him. You mean the commanders? Commanders. commanders sorry, yeah. Yeah, he's with the commanders. Oh, he wouldn't have got fine with the Jags. The Jags were just fine with that. Ah, uh, that's that's fair. Yeah. So oh, that reminds me the Jags thing. I just got a one quick sidebar. Simon AEW on uh, Wednesday, which is owned by the cons, the mm-hmm. Jags owners. And there's a guy sitting two seats in front of me, two rows in front of me, with a big sign that says, Tony, cut the shit. <laughs> and I was like, my man, this guy and I, we just started heckling people at times. It was great. So, you know, we got to, but well, it was fun. Uh, I'll get into all that on Monday's pods. I got yes. a lot of thoughts from going to AEW, but I'm not going to take your time with that. So anyways, but yeah. quick now on the Orioles, yeah. okay, the team is going to be sold because the Suns can't agree who's going to own it. So, the Orioles are now available. Yes. Because it's the same situation as the Broncos. Yeah. Kids can figure out who's going to control it. Now, I did hear after the fact, you probably already knew this. I did hear just this week was the first time I heard this. The kids were not all brothers and sisters. They were stepbrothers and stepsisters. Yeah. From two different marriages. Yeah. So I could see where I had the problem. 
because I know like on one side of my family, I don't get along with my stepbrother and stepsister. So sure. That. So uh, yeah, they couldn't. Of course, if they if, if my family would have left me in my stepbrother's a, a ball team, guess who would have been in control of it from the get go? <laughs> me and my brother Barry would have been like, okay, we got this. You motherfucker, just sit over there and collect yep. the checks. We've got yep. this. No Bowling's doubt. Gonna be in charge. <laughs> no doubt. Because we're going to win and make money, okay? Mm-hmm. It's the best of both worlds. You two shut up and listen. Yeah. Even Barry would have been like, yeah, let's just go on this one. So, uh, so the Orioles are for sale now, huh? Well, they've revealed plans for a sale. So, again, just headline reading, but uh, could be interesting. Mm. I, uh, I'd buy the Orioles. I'd move them. I'd buy them. Watch that Nashville group get involved. No, interesting. Yeah. Look, they they have been run poorly. We'll know something. So it'll be what'll be interesting about this if they're really for sale. Mm-hmm. They have the number one pick in next week's draft. It'll be oh, really? interesting to see what happens because this is one of those drafts. If you remember a few years ago when the Royals had the first pick in the draft, it was right when the Glass family was taking over the Royals. Mm-hmm. And they changed general managers. Um, they went from um, Dayton Moore is the current GM, been the GM for years now. Um, but he was become the general manager, and he was not allowed to make the pick. So they had the former GM, and all those people did the pick before. Oh, and they wow. picked, and that's when they picked Luke Hoshaver with the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. He'd been the seventh overall pick the year before and didn't sign. They picked him number one overall, and he was not the best prospect. Mm-hmm. It was somebody was others. And one of those, I can't, God, I can't remember who all of them were now, but there was like four other guys that were all major leaguers and grouped major leaguers that passed upon to take Hoche. It was the safe pick. It was the signable pick. Ah. That's what this draft is. So there's one guy that everyone agrees is probably the best player. Mm-hmm. And it's Andrew Jones's son. Oh, okay. But he's a high school kid. Okay. And they're like, well, you're going to get him. You're going to have to pay him a bunch of money. You have to pay him more than the slot. Plus, it may be three or four years. So he's yeah. in the and there's like four college players that are all kind of major league ready. Like they'll be up there in a year or mm-hmm. two. And so there's talk that. Okay, well, the Orioles might just choose the one that's the easiest signing. Okay. And that would be interesting to see if they do that. Because yeah. Yeah. Because I heard they were looking at even stretching to like going like the seventh or eighth best prospect. And I was like, okay, that seems because they've drafted a couple of really good young players at the mm-hmm. top of the draft. Like they have Adley Rutschman, their catcher now, who is phenomenal and gonna be great. But, you know, they had to be patient getting him up. And it took them an extra year to get him there because of right. service time. Sure. But uh, it'll be interesting. I, do they go by signability? Do they go by upside? Because the upside's the, the Jones kid. Right. If not, I guess there's like three or four they could choose from. that would all be about the same. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting thing. We'll, we'll know a little more about that. But I did not see that. I still haven't seen it. I'll have to. Check into that. The Orioles are for sale. Let's get some money together, Ellen. Yeah. 
Where can we move the Orioles to? I guess Nashville's the place. Vegas would be another. Yeah, I mean, Vegas eventually will get a team. Yeah. yeah. I know there's the three cities that seem to want baseball teams are Nashville, Vegas, and Portland. Portland years has tried. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a, a, a group. Like the Nashville has a group. It's like ready to go. They've got a bunch of money. In there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would be super interesting to have a team there. That yeah. way you've got somebody else besides uh, the Braves in the region. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think that the Braves won't like that. Of course not. But, but I mean, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. The Braves keep winning. It won't be a problem. There you go. But, hey, this, it all comes down to you've got to be competitive on the field. Yeah. The rest doesn't really matter. Yeah. You can, you can make the money work if you're competitive on the field. And in the end, there's certain teams who do have some advantages. Bigger markets, you know, L.A., sure. New York, do have some advantages. And that's just because they're going to have those. But, yep. I mean, it is what it is. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here on that. So okay. I appreciate you taking the time to candor. Uh, you know, we, we try not to get too political. When we do get there, we want to go deep. And I think that both of us had some strong opinions from last night um, in the year, let me ask this question. Go back to the committee. Okay. Do you think we're going to see the committee's recommendations get the Department of Justice to go after members of the Trump administration? You know, specifically Trump or Mark Meadows. I I I don't know. You know, people were. <clears throat> trying to say that uh, the indictments against the Proud Boys for uh, sedition were timed to fall in line with the hearings uh, to add to the political theater. But, and and I believe the DOJ has requested the House records from the investigation that they've done so far, but the House has not yet released them given that the hearings are ongoing. There is a potential, but that would surprise me given the way that Merrick Garland, the attorney general has kind of proceeded under this. I'd be happily surprised though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that Merrick Garland's going to do anything. I just, I, I think some of it would get lost as political theater, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that, it, that's exactly how it'd be framed. Um, but when you've got the actual evidence to back it up, it, it doesn't really matter if it's political theater or not, because yeah. you've got the facts. It's pretty damning. Yep. All I would say to anyone who's listening, who's thinking that we're just crazy libs, is take time and think about where your allegiances are. Are they to the country? Are they to the people or are they to the idea of someone like a Donald Trump Mm -hmm. who really is, look, this guy was a scam artist before he was president. Anybody can do that. Anybody ever worked, did any business with him, knew that, you know, look at his fucking stupid TV show. You know, that's, you know, that stuff. Just the way he speaks, the way he talks, who talks Mm -hmm. like that, you know, Anybody that talks like that of, you know, basically saying, well, I'm the greatest. And I did Anybody that brags about themselves in that way constantly, 
is an insecure person who just doesn't really understand or care about anything outside their own bubble of themselves. Yeah, agreed. And people got used by that. Mm-hmm. They got used by that because they've passed down the same beliefs from generation to generation. Yeah. And I'm glad that I was able to break that, personally able to break that circle in my personal life. So, For sure. Yeah, I I live I live by one creed. Don't be shitty to people. Yep. That I'm just not shitty to people. Yeah. I, there's times where I'll probably say some things out of pocket. I've said some things out of pocket on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't believe in cancel culture and a lot of that stuff. I think there's some of those things where we've taken things too far. Mm-hmm. But I do think that in the end, just don't be shitty to people. Yeah. Treat people well. Be good to people. And things will be good to you. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Yeah. Let's try to go off on a good note in that way. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Ellen, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for making this change, doing Friday morning or Friday afternoon with me now to do this. And uh, I appreciate it. So we'll get this out as soon as we can. Uh, I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox. Tyler's going to have a heck of a job doing this really quickly today. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. We appreciate it. I hope everybody enjoyed our uh, interview with John Seaton on Monday. Uh, I had it was a lot really great. I had a lot of fun with John. We're actually going to have his agent, John Curran, on next month. We're going to kind of, NIL, we're going to kind of do every other week. And it's because I want to get John on. Or, I'm sorry, Pat. Pat Curran's going to come on. Um, but I can't get him in until first part of July. So but we're going to get Pat in. And then we've got a couple others. some. We've got, got delayed on interviews, but we're going to get those in and do a little more NIL stuff. Um, but I really appreciate the feedback we've gotten. We had a lot of fun with that. John was really cool. He's going to come back on occasionally. Uh, we're going to try to get him in right before football season before he gets really, really busy. Yeah. To kind of talk stuff with us. And uh, we're going to have some fun with it. So awesome. that was great. We've reached out again and chatted a couple of times. And he's, he's awesome. Great. I appreciate it. And uh, it was cool to get a viewpoint from someone younger. He's, he's my son's age. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it, it's, you know, my viewpoint of my, for that generation is just what I see for my son mm-hmm. and a few of his friends, but right. you know, to get a viewpoint for that. So, um, but yeah, so I appreciated the feedback on that. And I thought it was a good episode. So hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to Monday's podcast. It's a lot of fun. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Uh, don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five-star review. Uh, until Monday, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. That's Ellen Wanginter. And uh, have a great weekend. Remember, your time, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody.